just take the first step. The first step for me is not going to be the first step for you. It's not going to be the first step for some, the first step in the right direction takes courage. It might be buying a book. It might be picking up the phone and finding a therapist. It might be walking into an AA meeting. It might be listening to someone's podcast. And it might just be a thought that I would like to change something, you know, because it, it those seeds begin in our right. mind of... I'd like to change something or maybe something isn't working correctly in my internal on my internal hard drive. And we can reprogram those hard drives. I believe that we can. That's I think what consciousness is. It's a very powerful thing that can be manipulated and fixed. Maybe not fixed because fixed means broken, but it can be fine tuned and we can indeed operate differently in the world if how we were operating was not working. Welcome to the Passion Struck Podcast. My name is John Miles, a former combat veteran and multi-industry CEO turned entrepreneur and human performance expert. Each week we showcase an inspirational person and message that helps you unlock your hidden potential and unleash your creativity and leadership abilities. Thank you for spending time with me today and let's get igniting. Thank you for joining me today on the Passion Struck Podcast. Michelle Obama said, it is important for you to understand that your experience facing and overcoming adversity is actually one of your biggest advantages. Trauma and adversity are both things that I've experienced in my personal life. And I understand that following the darkness of winter is an indomitable summer. This is a great lead-in today to our guest, Tarasyn Dupuy, who will discuss how she overcame her own personal demons to unlock a purpose-driven life. Tarasyn and I discuss how everyone can have everything in life that they desire if they commit to that dream, how surrender is the solution to any and all healing, how consciousness should be actively used to create the life we want and how we can create a heaven here on earth, reality, and the ability to create the tools to find it. This conversation with Terrison was absolutely fascinating, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Terrison Dupuy is an entrepreneur, writer, podcaster, and an inspiration to most people that know her. She is best known for her contributions to the modern cloth diaper movement with the product she featured on Shark Tank called Fuzzy Buns Diapers. But those are just merely highlights. Her lifelong battle with alcoholism, mental health issues, and the long-standing impacts of trauma cost her nearly everything in 2013. She was bankrupt, close to homelessness and suicidal and she began writing a soon-to-be-published memoir and newly released podcast appropriately titled Refusing to Drown. Because she kept on swimming, she is now living the life she always dreamed of and is living proof that money does not buy happiness, healing does in fact happen, and that miracles are available to all of us. 
Harrison, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today and for us to finally connect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Perfect. Passion struck. Well, you have such a great background and are one of the few people who have actually been on Shark Tank and not like me, just an observer on it. Um, and everyone I've talked to who's been on the show, whether they have actually gotten a deal or not, and, and more of them have not gotten a deal than, than have that I know, um, have said it makes profound changes in the way that they approach their business and life. Uh, but before we get into that, where I wanted to start this discussion is, you know, what was happening with you before you went on Shark Tank? Because I, you know, as I read, you were running a successful uh, business for over a decade before that. But, you know, what was life like and, you know, what caused you to go on the show? Well, let's see what life was like right before I went on the show. It was a mess. But to understand how it got to be such a mess, I'm going to back up a little bit and tell a little bit of my story because it's important, especially if there are entrepreneurs listening that have a passion that they just have to bring into this world. This story is important. So I'm going to start not at the beginning, but kind of at the beginning and tell you, I think I was born with a fire in my belly to do something big in this world. Even when I was a small child, I would tell my mom, I'd, I'd get up on the kitchen counter every day. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. I just had big dreams and big aspirations. I wanted to change the world, right? Like I knew even at eight years old that I was going to do something impactful with my life. And, but, you know, early on in my life, I started having issues well with life and trauma. I'm a very sensitive person. So I have extremes. If things are going well in my life, the world is perfect. If things are not going well, the world is ending. That's just, that's just a part of how I'm made. And I think a lot of passionate people are sensitive people and can probably relate to that. But uh, early on in my life, I was adopted. So that was like trauma number one. And it is a trauma. You know, even though we think babies don't remember it and we place them in loving homes with loving parents, it's still an energetic wound of abandonment. And that played a part in my life growing up as a child, growing up as an adolescent and in business. Um, and while my parents are very loving, we live next door to someone who would become a serial killer. And, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is... When I read my story, I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> wow. You know, and you and you grew up in Louisiana. I did. Correct. I grew up in New Orleans, yes, a suburb of New Orleans. But uh, you know, this person was like a brother to me. And you know, the physical act of being sexually abused is one thing, but all of the other things that go with it, the manipulation, the lying, the secrecy, the shame, I carried that as this sensitive little person. And became an alcoholic very early in my life as a way of coping and sexual trauma, even more sexual trauma was put on top of that. And by the time I was 14, I was a full-blown alcoholic, but th th I really don't want to talk about too much about alcoholism. That's not my focus. But when I hit 25, I grew up a little bit, you know, I was, I was an adult. I entered into motherhood, which I absolutely loved being a parent. But I had special needs children. One of them was uh, he had autism 
And that's who I invented the product for because I had this baby that had special needs from his head to his toes. His skin was all, you know, was always wounded or scratchy or um, he had eczema really bad. He had diaper rash really bad. I was like, how am I going to fix this child's problem? How am I going to be a better parent and a better mother? And wound up putting one piece of fabric into another piece of fabric, made a diaper out of it, kept him dry, got rid of his rash. And then voila, like all of those big plans and moments, things that I had dreamt about were coming true. You know, I had found my million dollar idea. And at that point, I was 25, 28, I think when I had him, I was still fairly true to who I was. Like I was always a hippie chick, you know, barefoot or Birkenstock. Clothes I would wear, I would make myself. I made my children's clothes. You know, I knew who I was. And then I built this business. And I still don't know how I built the business. Like I had no formal training as as a business person. I didn't know how to build a manufacturing facility, but I did. I didn't know how to brand a product, but I did. I didn't know that I was an industry uh, industry disruptor, but I was. You know, I just like was on autopilot and things happened. I believe that they happened because I was still true to who I was and authentically me. And I was also doing this from a place of a pure intention, too. I wanted to do something good for my child, good for other parents and for the environment. And I was. But where things really shifted for me, and this was about five years before I went on Shark Tank, is all of this trauma started catching up with me and I was making, I didn't know how to set boundaries with people. So people would take advantage of me. And often, you know, I had something that was really good. I was making a lot of money. And then all of these people come out of the woodwork of, I want a piece. Oh yeah, they do. (laughs) Yeah. I want a piece. And I was ill equipped, ill equipped to deal with any of, of, you know, I don't want to say fame because it, you know, I was never like I was famous within the diapering industry, the club diapering industry, which is a small pool, you know. But I, I didn't know how to protect myself. I wasn't taught how to protect myself at an early age, and then ego started really taking over. You know, I went from Birkenstocks to Bloomingdale's and Fendi purses and Prada and and Chanel sunglasses. Like I didn't grow up with money. We grew up okay. But I struggled for the first part of my life as a, as a young parent. And my, uh, you know, their dad didn't make a whole lot of money. But I was like, wow, I have money now. I'm going to spend it. And it wasn't a conscious decision. But it, it sucked me in and um, did, not, did not do me any favors. And I was making a lot of mistakes because of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I, I want to talk about a, a, a few things there. Um, First, I, I kind of know your situation because I um, probably at very similar times, because you and I are about the same age, um, you know, I had a son. Uh, I think I was, I was 27, 28 when he was born. But at that time, we were living in San Diego, and he was getting really bad diaper rashes. And so we started to try to find some type of um, cloth diapers. And we ended up signing up with a service, but it was so expensive. It, it was almost 10x what, you know, getting dis- disposable diapers was. And so, you know, we tried it for a while and it, it helped him, but it became cost prohibitive. So I can see where you're going. The mm-hmm. second, second thing I, I learned about reading your background 
is you did take some some steps. So you you started your own product development because I I read that you actually taught yourself to, how to sew and to be a seamstress while you were going through college. Um, I did. I did. Those out of all the classes I took, the three electives that I took were what made me the most money. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. <laughs> um, oh, so you <laughs> So, um, so then the other thing you brought up, which I think is extremely important for the listeners, is the the first chapter of uh, the book I I wrote, and um, you know the the ebook you can get on our website um, called the Passion Struck Framework. Is I call it. Um, my word for it is mission angler and the the exact title for it is you know you have to muster the power to do something big but i chose the word angler because you know fishermen are always trying to get that big fish and it doesn't always come at first but you've got to keep and keep you know searching inside to find it you were lucky that you find found it at a young age mm-hmm. but you know, to me, if you don't have that that thing that just drives you, that gives you passion, you're not going to be able to, you know, commit to it, ignite it, and and then follow it. So, you know, with with that as a backdrop, um, you know, your year ten, or I guess at at that time, year twelve into your business, and how did Shark Tank? How did that experience come about? Did you apply? Did they seek you out? Like how, how they, did that, that yeah, happen? They scouted me to be on the show and I will never forget this moment. I walked into my office and there was a note, um, Shark Tank called. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it was like, oh, yeah. And people had been telling me, well, it, it wasn't that old of a show. I think it was season four. It, it yeah, had been around for a couple of seasons. And people would say, oh, you need to go on Shark Tank. I'm like, no, no, you know, that's a, it's a startup show. I'm not a startup. And that's exactly what I told the producers. I'm like, I don't think I'm a good fit for your show. Did I say that my ego was overly inflated? Like, I still can't believe I did that. I should have said, oh my God, thank you for thinking of me, right? Gratitude. But now I'm like, I don't think I'm a good fit for your show. Um, how, how many, how many, what's your viewership? <laughs> and, uh, like, oh, it's 5 million people on a Friday night on, on, you know, on ABC. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try out. And, uh, and so I did. So, you know, I, I auditioned and started at some point actually wanting to get on the show because my business was failing. It wasn't quite there yet, but it wasn't after 12 years, it was the first year that it wasn't going in an upward direction. And it's like, okay. And and everything was changing. China was taking over my market. There was $5 diapers all over the place. Consumers didn't know the difference between a $20 diaper and a $5 diaper. They just see $5, you know, and who can beat that? It was really, it was a really hard situation for me to be in. And, but that wasn't, you know, I can blame that, but a lot of the issue was me. And when I didn't, I didn't think that, you know, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't see my part in the, the equation. And when I walked out on that Oriental carpet, I mean, oh my God, I've never been so nervous in my life. Nobody, it didn't seem like I looked nervous, but I was, yeah, I, ter- bet. I was terrified, but I was also confident. You know, I knew what my numbers were. I knew they weren't great. Um, the top number looked really good. The bottom lo- number looked horrible. 
And I had to explain that. And I did. And, you know, all of the sharks had something good to say to me, except for Damon John. I don't think he liked me very much, but okay. I'm okay with that. But they, they understood where I was, you know, they understood the patent infringement that I was facing and it was just, it was overwhelming. I couldn't, I couldn't compete anymore. I was kind of drowning. And Robert Hershevik, that is what he told me. He told me, he said, Terrison, it looks like you're looking for a lifeline. And I'm like, yeah, I was looking for a lifeline. Then he said something that blew me away that I was not expecting, but I needed to hear it. And he said, Terrison, and he said it kindly. He wasn't being ugly. He said, I think the problem is you. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the only thing, again, my ego could think is I'm going to be exposed. People are going to know I'm a fraud. Oh, my God. Five million people on a primetime slot on Friday night. This is what they're going to take away is that I'm the problem with my business. And it did not make it to air. So. The Shark Tank gods heard my plea, but I heard him. I heard him loud and clear. And I went home, fell apart. I was still drinking heavily at this time and uh, didn't get out of bed for a month. Stepped down as CEO of my company because, I mean, if I was the problem, I certainly didn't need to be CEO of this company. And I was willing to, to walk away and put other people in charge that might be able to do better. And they didn't, <laughs> you know. Huh. Um they didn't. I wound up exiting the company about six months after Shark Tank to the wrong people. But it would take me a year to really peel back that onion because all I heard was, Terrison, the problem is you. The problem is you. The problem is you. It's like, well, I'm an alcoholic. Let's start there and get sober. And I did. About a year after Shark Tank, I got sober. I quit drinking. Just, just you know, I knew I was an alcoholic from the time I was 14. That was not that was not news to me, but I didn't understand how much trauma was running the show. You know, I could blame it on alcoholism, right. but it really wasn't that. Um, it was more the effects of trauma and living with PTSD and, you know, letting, again, not knowing how to set boundaries. I just didn't know how to say no. You know, when your no is taken away from you at six or eight, again, at 14, like, how do you, Find it within yourself to say, no, you're not taking advantage of me anymore. No, you can't have this. Uh, no, you can't take all of my money. No, you can't take my intellectual property. That was my biggest issue was things could just be taken away from me so easily. And I didn't I didn't know how to keep anything. So that well, went for my business as well. Well, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that we are our biggest critic. And it's that inner voice that stops most of us from doing and becoming what we what we can be and living the, the type of life that we want, um, which you gave a, a great example of that. And it's until we really examine our self-identity, which can be extremely difficult to do because it's so much easier believing we're a projection of who we are than facing the brutal you know, reality of, of what is actually going on with us. So, you know, that, that is, it takes huge courage to do what you do, what you did and to go after, you know, looking at your inner demons. Um, you know, I've, I myself have been through, um, CPT, um, you, you know, uh, I guess they call it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
therapy, uh, CPT yeah. therapy for, yeah. for PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, you know, whether, you, you know, you, you call it a stuck point like you do in an agile or you, you call it, uh, you know, a belief, you know, it's really a hidden bias that, that you create in your mind and those beliefs, you know, I'm not good enough or people are always out for me or whatever they are until you deal with those and you face them, you know, it's going to be hard to overcome them. So, um, how, how long, how long did that journey take for you? Oh God, a painful seven years. <laughs> and it was, you know, recovery is not linear. It's, it's two step forward, one step backwards. And, um, I started in 2013, really working on it and, you know, getting sober was a two to three year journey in and of itself. And then around year three, I started, um, cause I went back to work for fuzzy buns after I left and that was okay. a mess too, but, you know, realized how I attract sociopaths into my life, whether they're employers, boyfriends, um, that was that early imprint from my neighbor. That's what I knew. And I was in that kind of relationship too professionally. So I had to leave that after realizing, wow, I'm just on autopilot. I'm just a walking, talking trauma response. <laughs> this is no good. And, you know, undoing the trauma was about a, probably a year. And I had to start doing things differently. Like I thought healing from trauma and PTSD would be painful. And it wasn't painful. I just put one foot in front of the other and said, I'm leaving this situation. <laughs> Bye. Right. And started trusting my intuition more and working with my own consciousness. Some people you know, call it a higher power. Some people call it God, spirit, the universe. I believe it's all of those things and more, but working with my own internal energetic imprint system and un unlayering and, and un what's the word I'm like untangling the trauma and replacing it with new new ways of behaving and new ways of seeing the world and it's had a profound effect on my life and and how I operate in it. Yeah. So for for the listeners who are out there, um I, because I think you bring up a great point. Um you know for me, it's taken years and years and years of working on myself. You know, for you, you know, you, you mentioned seven years. Uh, uh, you know, I find that in our world today, we want things to happen instantaneously. And, you know, what I have found is eventually everyone hits a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, are lucky to find it earlier. Some right. people it takes it takes longer. Or, you know, sometimes you're facing something like like you were or like I was with PTSD and, you know, I, I think the stigma is getting better, but you know, there, there has definitely been times when there's a stigma. And so you don't want to talk about it. You internalize it, which ends up just making it worse. So if, if you were going to give the a listener who is facing something like this, it doesn't have to be trauma, but facing a fear or an obstacle, you know, what words of wisdom would you give them on how, they could approach approach this and overcome it. Just take the first step. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things. And Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. 
It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash passionstruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now back to Passionstruck. Just take the first step. And it the first step for me is not going to be the first step for you. It's not going to be the first step for some, the first step in the right direction takes courage. It might be buying a book. It might be picking up the phone and finding a therapist. It might be walking into an AA meeting. It might be listening to someone's podcast. And it might just be a thought that I would like to change something, you know, because it, it those seeds begin in our right. mind of... I'd like to change something or maybe something isn't working correctly in my internal on my internal hard drive. And we can reprogram those hard drives. I believe that we can. That's I think what consciousness is. It's a very powerful thing that can be manipulated and fixed. Maybe not fixed because fixed means broken, but it can be fine tuned and we can indeed operate differently in the world if how we were operating was not working. Yeah, the the yeah the example I, I I like to give. I mean, there are two of them. One is kind of the pushing the car example. The other one is you know you're stuck in quicksand, and at first, as you're trying to get out, you know you're sinking and and you're not making progress. But as you keep working on it, you know you start pulling yourself out, and then over time, you get yourself out of it. It's it's not going to be an easy journey. But the most important thing, as you're saying, is you've got to start. Then the most important thing is you've got to commit to that start and then take constant action. Because yeah. without without action, nothing is going to happen. Right. Action is everything. Action is everything. If I would not have told my employer, partner, boss, whatever he was, I can't do this anymore. The way I'm doing it, it's killing me. I'd still be stuck in that situation. <laughs> I. Yeah. You know, as- and that was that meant for me walking away from a brand that I had built and loved and I made for my children. Like I was emotionally attached to that brand and some financial security. Um, I walked away from it all to walk into myself and do something good for myself and get out of a, a nasty situation that I was in. Well, well that yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, I I um about a year ago, might might have been a year and a half ago, I had the privilege of meeting Sarah Blakely, who you probably know, the founder of, of Spanx. Yes. And um, 
you know, one of the things I, I heard her uh, talk about, um, and, and when she gives speeches now, it's one of the, her main themes is, is hiring your weakness. But for her, you know, it was interesting to hear the dialogue because um, she was so, um, I don't know, I don't want to use the word depressed, but she, uh, demoralized at a certain point of time that she almost left her own business because what was happening to her is she kept doing these tasks that she didn't really like doing. And so she wasn't enjoying it. And so it was, you know, finding for her that counterbalance of someone who could take those tasks that um, weren't appealing to her off her plate that Spanx really had the massive growth. Um, And to apply that in a little bit different way, as you were coming out of this and, and going through this journey did you use a mentor or were there other people out there who were helping you? Well, that's the beauty of 12-step life is that you have a community of people that get you. It doesn't matter what your issue is, food, sex, uh, love, alcohol, drugs, pot, whatever. There's a 12-step yeah. program out there. I think there needs to be a 12-step group for entrepreneurs. And I'm not joking about that because um, it's a struggle in and of itself. But uh, I did have a lot of support and my greatest support was my own higher power, I think, of, of listening to my intuition. And if the phone rang and someone said, hey, we're starting this group <laughs> and the phone rings out of the blue, right, then I'm paying attention and I might consider going to that group if it was it fell in my lap that way. So, yeah, the universe sent me all of the things that I needed when I was willing. And I said, okay, I'm ready, you know, and I just, all I had to do is sit back and wait for those things to appear. And they all did. They were laid at my feet, the steps that I needed to take to, um, to get where I'm at now. And I like where I am now. That's fantastic. Um, at, at that point though, you, you were facing two crossroads, you know, one would have been doom and the other is the path you ended up taking what were some of the the words of wisdom, you know, as you say, that pathway was laid out before you, what were some of those, um, you know, what were some of those things that ended up entering into your life that changed it to go on the, the positive track instead of the potential negative one? Oh, God, I, I don't know if there were any words of wisdom necessarily that stood out for me. Um I don't know, but for me, my solution was uh, exercising the ego and stepping into the spiritual. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if any, I heard any words of wisdom necessarily that didn't come out of my own head um, that were impactful. Are you ready to overcome your fears and start committing yourself to mastery and growth in your life and career? If you are, we're ready to help you. Go to passionstruck.com slash coaching right now, and you'll be able to download the Passionstruck framework and connect with a member of our coaching team. Yeah. One of the things um, that you brought up to me be- before um, our, our talk today is that you talk about this word surrender and mm-hmm. how important surrender it's one of your mantras is you've got to surrender before you can heal. Can yeah. you, can you talk to the, to the listeners about that a little bit and what that means? Cause I, I, can, it, I can talk for days. <laughs> uh, 
Well, when I, when I saw it, 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 you know, most people don't hear the word surrender, um, typically in a good light. So I, I, I wanted to, you know, for you to be able to explain what that means. Right. Well, I believe with every single fiber in my being that we have we have a roadmap of, of everything that we're supposed to do, all of the right solutions. If it's a business, we have the roadmap to make that happen, to pursue our dreams, our desires, and to get to a place of wholeness and, and happiness and fulfillment. I think all of those things are built in within our own subconscious mind, our own consciousness. So when you think about surrender, I surrender so that I'm always on the right path. If I'm sitting in ego and I don't surrender, then I'm going down this other path. To me, it's two two ways. I can either swim upstream like a salmon and fight every single you know, step of the way going, oh, I think I want this, I want this, I want this. And then, you know, there's roadblocks and I'm, I'm jumping over hurdles and it's not fun. Or I can surrender to what is already in me, the knowledge that's already in me, the path that's already in me and say, okay, I'm just going to flow downstream now and I'm going to let the things come to me. That's what happens when I surrender. And that's what happens with when many people surrender. Some people call it God's will. Some people call it the will of the universe. I just think it's our own conscious plan that's already here for us, waiting for us to surrender to it and take the ride. Yeah. So why do you think, I mean, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And why do you think so many people out there today are resistant to that? Because <laughs> it's be, not be. easy. <laughs> it's not easy. You know, if, if you said to people, here's the door to heaven on earth and here's the door to hell, which one do you want to walk through? I guarantee you most people would say, oh, I want to walk through the heaven door, right? But they don't. Their hell is comfortable for most people because it's their will. It's what they want. It's all the lies of the ego telling them, don't go that way. You know, this is what you really want. You want the big car and the big house and the big this. And and it's steeped in fear. But to go through that other door, the door of surrender, the door of, of all the things you want coming to you easily takes work. It takes work and it takes honesty and it takes somewhat being being somewhat fearless um, in your pursuit because we're all control freaks, right? We like to know what we're doing. We like to be in control, but to surrender and let go and take a step into maybe the unknown, that takes courage, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. So much easier than fighting. Uh, it, it, well, it absolutely is. And as you said, you've got to take that first step. And if and if any of the listeners have listened to many of these podcasts. I, I can't go very long without talking that I think we're facing a national and international emergency mm-hmm. caused by a few different contagions. And, and it's not COVID. It's the contagion of the human spirit and the contagion of the human mind. And those two things are apathy and comfort. And we are getting so wrapped up in those two things that we're we no longer, in many cases, have the courage to, to really go after business vitality, entrepreneurship, and taking the risks that made, you know, the United States and much of the Western world the envy that it is. And if you look at what's happening now in Mexico, South America, Asia, um, it's almost a flip to to where the United States was decades ago. 
um, with how much more work and dedication that they're putting in to, to chasing their dreams. So I, I think that whole surrender concept uh, is, is a very good one. Right. Can I um, share a story with you about this very, <laughs> this very thing? Um, I'm not a political person. I don't pick sides. I'm as far from politics as you could possibly imagine. I live in a snow globe of my own making. No politics, no mean people. And the morning after Trump was elected four years ago, I woke up in tears. And it wasn't, it had nothing to do with the outcome of the election or who I wanted to be president. I didn't care, really. But I felt, I felt the shift And I'm also a visionary. I've been having visions ever since I was a small child. All of them have come true, by the way. And I just, I felt the sadness. I I, I just, I felt everything. And I also saw, (laughs) visually saw the downfall of everything. I I, I saw a full financial collapse (laughs) of all of the systems. I felt the, just the despair. And I was like, one man can't do all of this, you know, that's not going to happen. And it did. And I didn't realize until COVID was well into way. I'm like, oh my God, this is what I saw. This is what I saw. I saw the pandemic. I didn't see the pandemic necessarily, but I saw the, the, um, the downfall and the despair of people. And especially the fine, it, it was a global impact is what I saw. Like this, this is not going to happen. And it did happen. But I also saw something after that, which was a massive change in how we operate in this world. And yes, I think we're hitting bottom. I think as humanity, we are hitting our bottom. And there's only one way to go after you do that. And that's up. So just imagine if we all started surrendering (laughs) to the the greater good, what the world would look like. You know, I'm a hippie. I believe it. Well, you know, and we're, and I think compared to many parts of the world, we, we were fortunate in the United States in that our whole systems haven't shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interviewing someone yesterday in England and they're on their, I think, third shutdown. And, you know, this one is lasting, uh, I, I think, throughout March. And, you know, it's had such an, an economic impact. At least, you know, we've been able to to have more freedom here in the United States to, to go to work and do things like that. That said, um, this has had a dramatic, you know, a dramatic impact on small business and has, you know, undoubtedly pushed us even further behind, uh, where, where we were in that rise of business fatality. So, right. well, well, I'll, I'll segue this into, um, another one of the concepts that, uh, that you like to talk about is that you can find a heaven on earth. So if we are, you know, hitting our bottom, or let's say you're hitting a bottom in your life and you're a listener, you know, how do you change that and create heaven on earth? Well, there's a 12-step process <laughs> to make that happen. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just, acceptance is a huge part of that. And um, just knowing well, let, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Before you go down that path, you said that, that you would take the 12 step process and apply it to an entrepreneur. So let's, let's take it down that angle. And if you were going to do that, what would be some of the steps for an entrepreneur and why do you think it fits for them? Well, first thing is getting our head around our control issues. When we understand what we can control and what we can't, 
You'd be amazed at how many people spend so much energy, emotional energy, physical energy, trying to control things they can't control. And entrepreneurs historically are control freaks. It's kind of what makes us entrepreneurs. We want to do something differently, right? So when we start really getting to a place of peace, I can't control this, but I can I can control whether I surrender or not. I can control whether I make this choice or that choice. And when you're surrendering, it's all the right choice. Um, and also tapping into your consciousness, knowing that there's something else running the show. Otherwise, it's ego because there's two things. There's spirit or spirit led. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to be religious. Just a willingness to defer to something that might know better than your ego because your ego will never point you in the right direction. As much as it's going to tell you this is the right way to go, it's usually not. So paying attention to that and connecting with something more. Again, it could be your own conscious desires. That is something more. And um, and and doing the work, like I don't know many entrepreneurs or people in general that don't bring all of their crap with them into their business. I see it over and over and over again. I did. If I wouldn't have had some of the issues I brought into my business, I'd probably still have the business. Maybe I would have sold it for $50 million. I don't know. Right. It didn't happen. But, you know, being being aware that your own stuff, it, you don't leave it at the door when you walk in, into the boardroom. It's there. So the sooner you can start looking at those things and those patterns, those faulty belief systems that are mostly lies, then you can start operating from a different operating system. And, you know, it's all about changing the patterns, changing the patterns and getting to a place of peace. And I can't stress enough how much acceptance for what is changes a person, you know, and knowing that it's all going to happen and, and, and the divine timing of how it's supposed to happen. But don't be a salmon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't swim upstream, you know, don't, don't do it. Just flow. It'll flow. Like it takes courage to flow. So. Yeah, it's, it's, and I, I think a lot of what you're saying is is truth. I can't tell you how many intra- entrepreneurs I've seen that have failed because they're trying to self-serve. Yeah. And most of the businesses that I see succeed and the people who succeed, it's because they're serving others. And it, it's another chapter I wrote about, but I, mm-hmm. I, I call it um, um, Inspire Outwards. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the chapter is people speak and act with their feet. And I, I got this concept from a, a good friend of mine, Jay Skabinski. Um, but, uh, you know, as we would back in the day, as we would launch a new initiative, he's like, don't watch what they're saying, watch what they're doing. And yes. it's the same thing as being an entrepreneur. It's you, you can say one thing, but if your actions aren't, you know, following, you, you know, if you're not doing that outward, then you're not going to go anywhere. Um, and it, it's almost like if you were going to do a charity, it's one thing talking about doing that charity. It's the other one who's building the beds, who, who's right. actually helping to build the beds that they're going to, you know, to deliver to the less fortunate type of, mm-hmm. type of thing. Right. Right. Service is a huge part of that heaven on earth reality. Um, that's, that's what's driven 
everything that I've done that's been good and successful and abundant in this world has come from a place of wanting to help others. And when I lost that, the abundance stopped flowing (laughs) in a very real way, you know? Um, So yeah, doing just, just do the right thing. You know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people do. So, so let's go into now, you know, you, you talked about what was going on in your life. You went on shark tank, you know, that one message that you heard that the problem is you, um, you faced it for seven years you know, what is the aftermath? So, you know, so how has your life changed now? And, you know, how has it changed for the better? My life on the inside has changed substantially, which has given me the perspective to see that heaven on earth reality. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. If you would look at my life and the events of it through your eyes, someone else's eyes, you would say, dear Lord woman, how are you still standing? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you would. I, I mean, after I left Fuzzy Buns in 2018, I left to start another consumer product company. Um, it took me a year to develop the product, which was an underwear product for men and women with it, with mild to severe incontinence, a real underwear solution. I'd been trying to do this for ages, but I never had the time. So I'm like, all right, I'm walking away from everything. I have some money coming in from a legal settlement that I'd been fighting for seven years. Great. I was going to have the money to start this business. Money comes in. I do the development. I take on a partner because I know where I'm not strong. We go through an accelerator. We spend another year putting all the pieces, parts together. In the meantime, I'm running out of money. (laughs) And we find an investor in January of last year, 2020. And he would have been a great investor. You know, he would have given us everything we needed to start the company. COVID happens. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. He pulls out and both my partner and I are flat broke at this time. Flat broke. We have no more money left. We're like, okay, we've got to start this business. Go to market strategy is ready. And so, yeah, he pulled his money, his commitment out. And then a month later, my son died from suicide I had that. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And it's just been one thing after the next, after the next, but there was not one day that went by that I did not say, you know, lift up my hands and said, whatever you will have of me, you know, and, and that's between me and God, like that. I do call God at this point, spirit or or whatever. (laughs) I'm still saying whatever, because I don't know what it is. It's just incredibly powerful. And I would say, whatever you will have of me, you know, whatever, whatever you will have of me. And and I'm talking about taking surrender to a whole different level. I'm like, you took my son, you took his dad. If you want me to, you can have me, you know, but I'll, I'll, if you need me to stay, please give me purpose. And, and I found purpose and, but life changed. You know, I let go of the underwear company for now. And I did nothing but take care of myself for six months. I, took off to bring my youngest son to, to college in New York, got rid of all of my stuff, gave my my house to my daughter, not my house, but everything in my house to my daughter and put everything in my car and left and, uh, and grieved along the way and was always put in the right places, whether it was a hike or with people or in a beautiful place. Like I really felt that the universe was taking care of me when I when I needed it 
the most. And I continued to surrender. You know, it's like I found a little job in Lake Placid. I'm currently in the Adirondacks. And it's like, well, I think, you know, I I can string two thoughts together now. My PTSD from suicide is getting a little bit better. Um, Let me just get a simple job. And I put things out there and I got a simple job. I was so grateful for that job. Gratitude, 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 gratitude. Yes, I wanted to have a multi-million dollar company again, but I'm working in a retail store. And I was so happy to be doing that and have money coming in that I could pay my rent and you know, buy food with. That was great. Unemployment was great too. Um, and then it's like, well, this isn't really satisfying. Let me surrender some more. Maybe I'll throw out some some resumes and see what happens. 300 resumes. I didn't think about it too much. I just sent out resumes. <laughs> <laughs> and I wound up getting the most amazing job um, working with a woman that I knew and that I admired quite a bit, helping women and girls in India. She runs a nonprofit, but she hired me to, to build um, her for-profit leg of the company, which we're going to be able to do even more with for women. And that was the seed of passion that I really wanted to do with the underwear. I really didn't care about the underwear as much as I cared about what the impact I would be able to do for women, uh, specifically sexual assault survivors, because that was my social mission with the company, how I was going to be able to help them and inspire them and and create better lives for them. And I'm able to do that. The same things that I wanted to do with the underwear company, I'm doing for her. And I don't have the stress of owning my own company, which is fantastic. So, you know, the universe, it hears those desires. You know, it knows what you want and it knows what you need. And I'm in a beautiful place doing exactly what my heart has always wanted to do, which is be free and travel and meet beautiful people and experience amazing things that sing to my soul. And I'm writing and I'm hopefully going to publish this book within uh, a year. There's still some things for refusing to drown. That's my my memoir after losing my son. Um, you know, I just, I want to be a writer and I want to inspire people. And that's the desire and the passion that's been laid on my heart and that's what my life situations have created in me to do. And, and that's where I am. And it's a beautiful, I have a beautiful life despite of everything that I've been through and other people can have it too. And, and what an amazing story. And, and thank you for sharing it with us. If someone wanted to learn uh, more about you or uh, the things you're involved with or your podcast uh, that you host, uh, where, where can they learn more about you? Well, my podcast is called Refusing to Drown because it's exactly what I've been doing for 50 years. And there's actually a free book. I don't think I'm going to publish, really do the publishing for my first book, which is called Superpowers for Entrepreneurs, which I'm changing to be called Entrepreneurship Without Ego. If they want to read that book, it's 147 pages of really good, concise, how-to information to keep the ego you know, where it needs to be and find some balance between spiritual practice, spiritual tools that will only do you good in your life. Not, you know, it's not going to do you any harm. They can download that for free on my website. There's, I'm selling absolutely nothing. People need to understand that. I'm not selling coaching or consulting. It's just, it's just free. You know, I want people to be able to have access to that information that are not in 12 step groups. And the steps have been adapted for the entrepreneur. They're not necessarily the the AA or other 12-step steps. 
They're specifically geared towards entrepreneurs to be able to harness that power and use it. Okay, great. Um, well, I like to end the podcast um, by doing a rapid round. So I'm not sure if you knew that, but uh, um, well, I'm going to ask you four or five questions and I'm just wanting you to give the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. What are three words that best describe being on Shark Tank? <laughs> Intense, <laughs> intimidating, <laughs> and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what, what is your kryptonite? Oh, my kryptonite. I don't even know if I want to say it's, it's, it's young, attractive men, (laughs) (laughs) but that's it. That's me. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I have some issues (laughs) (laughs) on that. Who is your favorite superhero? Oprah. Oprah. Okay. <laughs> if you were to colonize a new planet and could establish one law, what would it be? That everybody must meditate 60 minutes a day. Okay. And if you could meet anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. Okay. Yes. I've had a vision ever since I was 16 years old. I- I've got to meet her. Well, she she is someone who has truly overcome the odds, faced her inner demons, conducted a mosquito audit, changed the way she was living her life, and, you know, look at her now. So, true inspiration. She is my inspiration. Yes. Well, thank you, Tarasin, so much for being on the show. And there were so many bits of incredible wisdom that you shared today. And thank you for being vulnerable uh, with the audience and and sharing them. Thank you for having me. What an amazing episode with Terrison Dupuy. Oh my goodness, did she unpack a lot of content that is just amazing for our listeners. And it so coincided with the message I have been preaching. It was uncanny. She talked about every one of the action shifts that are in the Passion Struck framework. She discussed how she became a mission angler and changed her personal mission, not only when she was 25, but again, much later in her life after overcoming her adversity. And that's when she also reinvented her brand and changed the way she viewed herself and how others view her. She was a mosquito auditor and took out both the people, influences, and activities that were causing her to go down an adverse path. She used her inner voice to become a fear confronter where she took on, and it took her seven years to do so, her deepest fears. And then she became a perspective alterer where she took action to change the reality that was facing her. So much here. I hope you listen to it again. And I am so excited to share it with you. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral by sharing the knowledge and insights you can use to unlock your hidden potential. To hear more, please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes, where if you'd simply tell three of your most driven and motivated friends about the show and post to your social accounts, That would help us grow our passion struck community too. 
If you want more tools to unlock your potential, please make sure to also visit our website, passionstruck.com, to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. Be sure to tune in on Tuesdays and Fridays for our next episodes. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.